When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Wednesday, December 11th, 2019, and you're listening to the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer from the winter meetings in San Diego. Paul, how's the weather out there? It's uh, Joe, when I got here, it was raining for two days, but it's very nice right now. It's, well, uh, I'm looking out over the bay right now. Well, well <laughs> it, 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 it got a lot sunnier uh, just in the last uh, 10 hours, if, you're, if your name was uh, Garrett Cole, the uh, the right-hander, uh, World Series pitcher for the Astros, uh, signs with the or an, announced an agreement with the Yankees, uh, nine years, three hundred and twenty-four million uh, records for annual average for uh, a pitcher and and total money. I think uh, this is one of the, the the biggest contracts in baseball history. Yeah, it's. Uh... You know, the Yankees are starting to act like the Yankees again. Hal Steinbrenner is uh, channeling his old man, uh, George Steinbrenner. The evil empire's back. Yeah, this, this guy, uh, you know, Cole was uh, the Yankees' number one pick in 2008. He decided to uh, enjoy himself and go to UCLA instead of signing. And then uh, he signed with the Pirates. And then the Pirates, uh, when they tra- traded him to Houston, uh, the Yankees tried to get him again. And uh, they failed. So, as uh, Brian Cashman said, uh, Cole has been uh, the white whale. They're the Yankees' white whale, version of the white whale. So, they finally harpooned him and, uh, and brought him to the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Oh, harpooned him. Yeah, they really killed him with $324 million. <laughs> they, just, they just tossed $324 million at him and said, hey, now you have to come here. It's uh, unbelievable. Uh, just the, it, after two years of – free agency looking like it was was sort of dead now we're we're seeing uh you know Mike Mustakas go off the board Steven Strasburg go off the board uh there there have been some big free agent signings early on in 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 the process uh this year as opposed to the last two seasons yeah and uh three of those Mustakas uh uh Strasburg and Cole are all represented by Scott Boros who is uh you know has a history of being a you know, doing protracted uh, negotiations, trying to jack up the price, but he has obviously uh, changed his, uh, you know, uh, modus operandi uh, <laughs> this year. I mean, he is, you know, he's gone in quick, and uh, I think uh, maybe the last two years uh, where his players have twisted into wind, 
you know, haven't signed till late and uh, the players aren't, you know, hate that. And maybe that has changed the, the mood here. And, but it certainly, uh, it also shows that, uh, a lot of teams aren't aren't as poor as they as they claim to be, and uh, you know the Yankees, you know, um, you know, doing the last three or four years, you know, wringing their hands about staying under the luxury tax. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if that, that flies in the face of uh, signing a pitcher for three hundred twenty-four million. You know, Joe, I was reading uh, the uh, you know Cole's contract isn't the longest for a uh, for a pitcher. Uh, you know, Jason uh, Stark. Uh, did some research and the, the last guy, the, the pitcher who had signed the longest deal, a 10 year deal was the one and only Wayne Garland <laughs> for, uh, for the Indians back in 1976 for the, uh, for the uh, outrageous price of uh, 2.3 million. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, and a uh, cautionary note, you know, Garland hurt, hurt his arm the first, uh, hurt his shoulder the first year and, and lost 19 games for the Indians and, and was never the same. So uh, let's hope that doesn't happen to Cole. Well, I, I mean, Indians fans certainly don't wouldn't mind to see Cole, uh, you know, pitch, win 19 games uh, total for the, uh, for the Yankees. He lost 19. He lost 19, yeah, lost yeah, 19 the first year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, from an Indians fans perspective, just sitting back and watching that happen, you never wish ill for a player or anything like that, but you certainly don't want to see the guy go there and be be a dominant force in the American League, uh, leading the Yankees. Uh, I, I mean, again, the rich get richer. They 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 continue to load up. Uh, you know, it didn't work last year or the last two years when they brought in Stanton. He's been hurt, uh, and you know they're they're paying him all that money. But uh, again, I I think it, it, things are going to start to turn because Aaron Boone seems to have the organization pointed in the right direction, at least. From, from a team perspective when they were they lost all those games last year and or I'm sorry they lost all those players to injury and still managed to win 100 games last year yeah that's a, it's a good team and uh, it's you know you know very very deep pockets and uh, you know they they have shown right now they're willing to go out and do what they have to do I mean it's <laughs> in New York they haven't been in a World Series the Yankees haven't been in a World Series in 10 years now that's not like the Indians not being in a world, you know, winning a World Series uh, for seventy-one years, but uh, I guess it's, you know, the, the Yankees uh, got a little anxious, so uh, you know they, they made the commitment to Cole, and uh, we'll see and what happens. Shifting our focus now to the Indians with Francisco Lindor and the the talk about whether or not the Indians are going to trade him during these winter meetings, during the preseason, uh, during the twenty twenty season at the trade deadline, or after the the twenty twenty. Uh, campaign what are you hearing and what's the latest out there I know from pretty much from the beginning of these winter meetings uh, it's been a talk has been pretty cool yeah I I think uh, there's still you know a lot of interest in Lindor Uh, you know the Indians are wearing weighing their options they um, you know uh, Chris Antonetti told us a couple days ago at one of our first meeting with them that they're you know they don't have to trade Lindor. I mean, they, they, you know, they've, they've, they've done this with other players. They could ride them out through two more years, but I don't think they're going to do that. I would think, you know, they're looking, you know, it all depends how competitive they are next year. Uh, if they've got a shot at uh, getting, you know, winning the division, getting back to the postseason, I think they keep them and, uh, you know, t- and take their chances at the end of next year, 
you know, and looking for a deal. If, uh, but if they get blown away, if they get, you know, a deal they, they can't say no to this, you know, sometime this winter, I think they definitely consider that as well. Uh, I think all options are still on the table, but in a perfect world, I think they'd like to contend in 2020 and their best chance of doing that is with Lindor. Is there a team out there right now that can offer a package good enough to blow the Indians away, uh, filled with prospects and major league ready players, uh, that that's deep enough to do that. Uh, and, and either hasn't yet or, uh, or the Indians are just still waiting. Yeah. I, I think the Dodgers are, you know, the, the, you know, the, the most likely team, you know, they certainly have a great, you know, a loaded farm system. Um, the Padres, I mean, have a great farm system, but they don't need a shortstop with Fernando Tatis uh, Jr., I should say. So, I mean, I think the Dodgers are the team, but, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be other teams kind of lurking, you know. The Phillies just got Didi Gregorius, so that kind of takes them off the board. But I don't know if they had the, uh, you know, if they had the, the prospects to get him anyways. Yeah, I mean, that, that takes the Phillies off the board for now, but that, that contract for Gregorius is only one year, and, you know, they might come back and be players either at the yeah. deadline or, uh, or or next offseason. So, yeah, there there are multiple teams, but uh, right now all signs point to the Dodgers simply because of the pieces at their, at their minor league level that, you know, could match up. Uh, the name that we hear a lot bounced around is Gavin Lux, who's a, a, a shortstop um, and, you know, definitely a, a guy who's, who's on the radar for the Indians in terms of, you know, he's a, a, a bat first guy and, and you know, uh, a high draft choice, uh, you know, highly touted prospect for, for the, uh, the Dodgers. Yeah. And, you know, the, the Dodgers have been reluctant to give up their top prospects to trade them. Uh, I found, I found it interesting that they were like one of the finalists for Cole, you know, so they were definitely willing to spend some money. Uh, so, you know, maybe that signals a change. Maybe they're, uh, you know, they're one of those teams that would have won their division seven, eight straight years. They've been to the World Series a couple times and lost. Maybe they're looking for, you know, that one player to get them over the hump. And uh, Lindor cer- certainly could be that player. He's a, he's a player that I think no matter what, who you have playing shortstop or in the middle infield, you know, you, if you got a chance to get him, you're going to go get him. Yeah, you're, you'll move heaven and earth to make uh, make uh, room for Francisco Lindor in your organization. Uh, now that Strasburg and Cole are off the board, uh, what does that do to the interest in teams uh, who, who missed out on those guys uh, for Corey Kluber as a trade piece for the Indians? Yeah, I think probably Kluber's still down the down the pecking order a bit. You know, you still got Bumgarner out there. You've still got Dallas Keuchel. You've still got, you know, some pitchers like that, some free agents like that, uh, you know, maybe. Uh, but I, I think, you know, if, if you look at what uh, Cole and Strasburg got and what maybe Bumgarner is going to get, I mean, Kluber is attempting, uh, you know, you know, you've got him. You know he's cost, he's cost certainty, you know, $17.5 million this year. Uh, he's got a club option for next year around the, you know, for 2021 for around the same. Um, you know, so you cert- and if he, the, the big question with Kluber is production. Is he healthy and can he be Corey Kluber again? And if he does, you know, a team, um, really has, you know, caught lightning in a bottle and, uh, 
you know, and as far as health wise goes, you know, from what I've been, I've heard, you know, teams, you know, you know, aren't really concerned about that. They think, you know, it was a broken bone in his forearm. It wasn't like, you know, a torn rotator cuff or Tommy John surgery. They, they believe he's coming back. He can come back strong. The Indians have, you know, Mike Chernoff said yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago that he's ahead of schedule in his workouts. So we'll see. Yeah. I, if Corey, how long, how deep into the season does Corey Kluber need to go and prove that he's back to being the old Corey Kluber before the talks about him getting traded during the season really heat up? I mean, he, he, he started seven games last year uh, through the first of, of May. Uh, would, would seven games into the uh, into the 2020 season be enough to show teams that that he's back? It, it might be enough, but you know, you usually don't see trades that early in the season. You know, mm-hmm. you just uh, teams are still settling into the season, settling into their roster, trying to see what they have first. So I think you know, right around late June, early July, right, you know, coming up to that, bumping up against the uh, July 31st deadline. That's if you're going to move a guy. That's probably when when you know you'd start talking about Kluber. But again, like Lindor, I mean, if he if he looks like you know two the the guy that won 20 games in uh, 2018 I don't think you're going to trade him all right the uh winter meetings going on there in uh in in San Diego uh you've been out there a couple of times for for winter meetings in San Diego right uh pretty good place to to conduct the meetings what's what's your favorite part of uh of the setup out there well this is this is a nice hotel uh, that they're in I mean it's not it's not huge you know you can find people or you know the lobby is kind of constrained uh it's not like a nashville where there's like it's so big the hotel is so big and there's like you know it looks like there's jungles you know you got to go through plants and vegetation to find people (laughs) you can get lost in that place but uh this this one is you know the lobby is is workable so yeah you know and and you really you know the weather's been nice but you don't really don't go out too much because you're just in the hotel the whole time so they could have this thing in alaska and it wouldn't make much difference so, so you haven't visited the uh, the red pandas at the San Diego Zoo or uh, or anything like no, that? No, no, I haven't seen that. Yet. No time for that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, uh, we we've heard some rumors, some players that the Indians have been linked to or been interested in. Uh, we'll throw out a few names here: Jose Peraza, uh, ex Reds infielder, uh, heard to be uh, spec- uh, you know getting interest from a handful of teams, including the Indians and the Orioles. Uh, we've also heard that the Indians are interested in Chad Pinder, a utility guy from Oakland. Uh, you know, where would these guys fit? What do you think the interest level is for the Indians? And, you know, is, is that really what what fans can expect the Indians to come away from the winter meetings with, uh, you know, a, a utility guy or a middle infielder? Is that really going to solve things for the, for the ball club? Well, you know, uh, you know, Antonetti said something on Monday that was interesting. He said they, you know, we've we've heard all winter that uh, uh, Jose Ramirez is, you know, has has been willing to play either second or third, uh, depending on who they can get. Uh, Antonetti said they prefer to, uh, you know, per, they prefer to keep Ramirez at third. So they're, you know, they, that kind of shifts the focus to second base. And 
you know, they, they, so I think they, they, they feel like uh, Ramirez is solid at third base right now. One of the best defense, you know, one of the best third basemen in the game. He's gone to two all-star games as a starting third baseman. So, you know, you look at the second baseman available, you know, I think uh, they certainly, you know, Chad Pinder, you know, Jose Perez, they don't do too much for me. Chad you know? Pinder's going to sell a lot of tickets, isn't he? That's... Yeah, I, you know, I, I think – I don't know if you're going to get a, a big-name guy, but, you know, a guy like uh, Cesar Hernandez kind of interests me. The guy, a switch hitter from Philadelphia. Uh, you know, so I think there's a lot of guys out there. You know, Brock Holt, uh, guys that can play second base. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this, it's just – this is going to take a while, Joe. I think it's uh, – not not something that they don't, they don't seem real. Uh, there doesn't seem to be an urgency to to fill this spot right now. And you know, is Yu Chang? Can he play second base? I I don't know. You know, I, but I think they're go- they're definitely going to go out and get a guy. And uh, and but and it seems like the emphasis is on second base right now is is Hernandez in their price range in terms of what they can afford to to shell out for a second baseman and and you know. Also, you know, let let let's address that first. What do, what do you think the the money wise would would be for that? Yeah, I, I think you know he was non tendered mm-hmm. by the uh, by the Phillies, so um, you know, so his pri- you know his arbitration projection probably gets thrown out the window right now. I mean, okay. they could sign him for less than that. So uh, I think he was projected to make between like seven and ten million, something like that. Yeah, I I'd think- seen as high as eleven. Actually. Yeah. So, I mean, so I think, you know, you could probably negotiate with him. Another guy that was interesting, but I guess uh, since they're only looking for a second baseman, that was uh, the uh, uh, Michael uh, Frank Franco. Michael Franco, uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he, I guess, uh, Santana, when he played with um, the Phillies mm-hmm. for the one year, kind of took him under his wing and, the, you know, they, and he had a decent year. So, I don't know, I, I, but you know, so Travis Shaw and and Frankel are probably or Franco are probably out. You know, they play third, but you know, but they also you're also playing Mike Mustakis at second base, so I I guess everything right. is, is possible. Right. Well, but, and and you you mentioned uh, you know the idea that they they might want to keep Jose Ramirez at third base. What does that do to the Nolan Jones timeline? Uh, I I personally I think. Jones probably opens a season in, in double A and maybe moves up to triple A. I think he's a full year away from, from actually contributing at, at the major league level. Oh yeah. I think I definitely think he's coming off that thumb surgery. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to do anything crazy with, uh, with Nolan Jones. I don't think, I don't think, I don't know if he, maybe he would come over if he's healthy, he, he would come over and play a few spring training games, you know, late innings and uh, be a substitute with the big league club. Right. But, uh, I, you know, I, I don't think uh, we're going to see him. Maybe, maybe you see him in September, but I, I think they'll be, you know, they'll take, they'll, they'll, they'll be careful with him. Well, that might be one of those cases where they, they might not want Terry Francona to see Nolan Jones. Maybe if he's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's that's right, like well. Bieber, right? <laughs> it's the same thing they did with Bieber. Uh, speaking of the tribe skipper, uh, I know he's uh, feeling a little bit under the weather. He didn't talk to you guys yesterday, but, uh, but he, you still got his thoughts on the uh, the new three batter rule that's going into effect next year. Uh, I'm I'm hearing different things uh, about this rule and about you know a, a lot of what I'm hearing is it, people aren't aren't big fans of it. 
but I'm also hearing, you know, don't worry about it. It, it might just turn into the whole, uh, you know, mound visit thing where you, you just forget about it after a while because it, it might not come into play all that much. Yeah, you know, I, I, maybe it, it will. Uh, I think it definitely affects uh, pitchers, though. You know, it, mm-hmm. it affects, uh, you know, left-on-left guys and, uh, uh, you know, right-on-right guys. I mean, so are they, will they be kind of pushed out the game or are they going to push out of the game or are they going to have to, uh, you know, kind of change, you know, they're going to have to, uh, you know, change the way they pitch. They're going to have to prove they can get, you know, righties and lefties out. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the left on left guy goes away, the dodo bird or something like that, you know, they're, they're extinct. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, there was a couple managers, uh, like Joe Madden, uh, spoke yesterday and very, you know, he was said it affects strategy and he's not in favor of it. Uh, I don't think anybody really likes it, but, uh, you know, the players association has kind of signed off on it. They say they won't, uh, grieve it, you know, make file a grievance against it. Because uh, I think uh, you know the the rosters are are expanded to twenty six players, so they get an extra guy. So maybe that's uh, you know the quid pro quo in this. Boy, how many times are we going to write this year that uh, the twenty five man roster and have to change that? That's that's going to be another (laughs) injured the injured like the injured list last year. You know how many times are we going to catch ourselves on podcasts or in stories having to uh, you know fix what we said? Uh, let's, uh, let's jump in. I know we got a couple of questions here. Uh, if, if you got any, uh, let's fire away with those. Uh, this is from Dale Slavin from, uh, from the Philippines. We got, uh, okay. I see, I see that the Astros are putting Correa on the block, Carlos Correa. How, how would you feel about trading one of our young, one of the Indians young pitchers and plugging in Correa at second base? Uh, well, uh, yeah, you, you get a year of arbitration for Correa, which would probably be around what twelve million dollars, so something like that. I think, he, like, if I was reading it right, maybe they project him in like seven point four million. Oh wow! Million, okay, seven point four. I think he's got to be a little higher than that. Uh, yeah, I would think. Um, but he has an injury history, a pretty, yeah. pretty bad injury history. You know, I think he only played in seventy five games last year. Um, so yeah, I, I don't see them adding that much salary and, and then losing him a year later to free agency, because then you're talking about, you know, uh, a guy who's definitely not going to resign here. Uh, you would also have to do a lot of shuffling. You'd, you'd have to move Ramirez off a of third base to move him to second because Correa wouldn't play second. He'd play third. That's where he played for Puerto Rico in the, uh, the world baseball classic. Oh, so uh, and know, him and him and Lindor are great that, friends. So that'd, that'd be, be a, that'd be a heck of a left side of, uh, yeah. of the infield. You, that'd be yeah, that'd be exciting. Think, think back to that 2017 World Baseball Classic. The infield for Puerto Rico was Correa at third, Lindor at short, and Javi Baez at second. Oh my and, god! And Yadier yeah, that, and Yadier Molina behind the plate. <laughs> I mean, that that that's pretty good infield. So you're not uh, kidding. Yeah, maybe that's what this uh, maybe that's what this uh, reader was was thinking would happen with Lindor and Correa there, or their buddies and all. I just I can't see it happening, and I can't see the Indians giving up their pitching depth uh, for that to happen. Uh, and 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 also, uh, yeah, I, I I no, I I don't think so. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. This is a question from Joe Sepik from Powell. Um, 
and he, he's talking about the, he, he has a question about the three batter rule. And he was wondering if it would change the strategy of managers where, you know, they, they might walk a batter in the eighth inning uh, to get a favorable matchup, you know, uh, maybe, you know, intentional walks increase a little bit and uh, in the, in, in, but still, you know, it's it's an interesting situation because, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about that. But I know Rick Renteria, uh, the White Sox manager, was talking about that yesterday. And he said you might have to walk more guys than you would. But, I mean, if you're in a, in a tight ball game in the eighth inning, are you really going to walk a guy, uh, put the tying run on base? Or are you going to put the go-ahead run on base just to get a right-on-right or a left-on-left matchup? Uh, so it, it really will change the strategy of the game. Yeah, I, I think that in especially in bullpens and relief pitching and all that, the name of the game is not putting guys on base and not having more base runners. Uh, the fewer base runners you, you allow, the, the better. That's sort of the whole point of it. So, yeah, I, I can't see – you know, maybe intentional walks do go – have a slight uptick, but I, I can't see it – again – they, all these rules changes. They, the the automatic intentional walk, that kind of thing, was meant to uh, uh, um, right. reduce the the game times and all that. I don't, I don't well, see it reduce it by five into, seconds. <laughs> yeah, but I don't see it really coming into play. We we really don't. People don't even notice that anymore. You yeah. know, it, it happens what one maybe once a week, right? And and you don't even really notice it. it, it uh, once a week, if that, and you don't even notice it. Uh, the the mound visits now come within, you know, like one or two of, of the maximum for a game, maybe once, once or twice a week. It, you don't even notice it. So these are, these are little things that people are getting outraged about. I think, you know, once we're into June, July, and August, people aren't even going to be, uh, you know, feeling this uh, all that much. Here's another question from, uh, Stephen Frost from uh, Peters, uh, Petersburg, Virginia. Uh, due to Kluber's age and his injury injuries last year, do you think the Indians should move him to the bullpen along with Carrasco for the first part of the season? They, uh, this move could save their arms, and uh, you could you know rely on your young starters more. I, I mean, I think I think it should should be just the opposite. I think Kluber and Carrasco should be the guys starting and you open the season with uh Savali or Plesek in uh in AAA or both in AAA and then maybe sometime mid to late May you bring them back up and you move Carrasco to the bullpen and and use him as a as sort of the uh the Swiss army knife type guy in in different situations. I think that would be ideal for for the Indians but you know I'm I'm not the one calling the shots there. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, or you could, you know, maybe uh, if you have an opening and if they don't, you know, fill some holes in the bullpen, maybe you open the, open the season with the police or Savali in the bullpen and just kind of keep them uh, in, in the pen. And, and when you do need a starter, you just kind of, you know, move them into that, into the rotation. I, I, I don't know if you, you know, that that might do. Yeah, you might you put their keep, arm in jeopardy that way. But you want to keep them sharp, though. You want you want them being on a regular schedule. They're young guys. They they haven't done. Neither of them have really ever pitched out of the bullpen like that. Yeah. So you know why screw with them? Why not just let them go? And and Fran, uh, Francona has done this in the past with position players and with with pitchers as well. 
you know, open the season with them in the minors where they can play regularly and, and get consistent at bats and innings. And, you know, when it's time for them to come up and, and they, can, they, they did this with Oscar Mercado this past season and it worked. So uh, I think uh, it, it would be a good strategy, but, you know, they, they're not asking me for advice. So. No, okay. No, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, and that's what th- those are the three questions we got for. Uh, wow, three. that's uh, that's pretty good ones there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, our uh, our friend Jeff Passan from ESPN uh, today reporting that the study on uh, the Major League Baseballs uh, that was commissioned by the league to uh, explain why home runs have gone up and and exit velocity has gone up and. And Justin, basically to refute everything Justin Verlander has said, uh, Major League Baseball study on the, the baseballs has found that uh, there may be some inconsistencies with the seam, uh, the seams on the balls, and that they, um, they are in, the professors who conducted the, uh, the, the study are encouraging baseball to regularly uh, study the drag effect on the balls uh, throughout the season. To, to sort of regulate that also saying that the, the increase in uh, the awareness of launch angle uh, also has something to do with this uptick of, of home runs. The record number of home runs hit last year. Uh, half the teams in the league set their, uh, their team record for total home runs. Uh, so is this, is this a satisfying enough explanation for those who are, who are bent out of shape about all the home runs in baseball? Yeah, the conspiracy conspiracy theorists. Every year, every year, there's a conspiracy about the baseball. So, you know, the thing I do know, Joe, is like pitchers, you know, really rely on the seams of the baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember there was a game. George Frazier, an old Indians reliever, was caught one uh, in one game. You know, raking raking the raking the seams with his fingernails, mm-hmm. trying trying to raise them raise them on the baseball. Uh, when he was on the mound, just to get a better grip, you know, to to make the ball move better. So I could see uh, if uh, you know if the seams were inconsistent, where that would affect that would affect the pitchers and their ability to throw their pitches at the right time. Oh yeah, it, it's not like they're throwing little league balls out there. You know, you you get those uh, the balls that are made for little leaguers that have the uh, the the exaggerated raised seams for for young guys like. Uh, 10, 11, 12-year-olds to get a grip on the ball so they're not killing kids with, with fastballs. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this goes back to what Trevor Bauer was talking about, you know, last uh, in, in 2018 with the, the sticky substances and, and allowing pitchers to, to be able to, you know, control and have more grip. And, and that's why you see the, the spin rate also uh, having increased uh, for, for certain guys and not, not others. But uh, all of that is sort of related. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk last year about the, uh, the the tacky surface of some of the balls that they they have, and I know uh, uh, part of this is the uh, this survey also looked at how uh, the balls are rubbed up with uh, with mud before every game, and there's in- inconsistencies in that as well from park to park. So uh, uh, you know it, it's an attempt to try and sort of assuage the uh, the outrage over this, but. You know, we'll see how that plays. Uh, I I can't wait to hear Justin Verlander's response to this. Uh, when you go right to his Twitter account and find out, uh, you know, he's on a beach somewhere. Ho- hopefully, uh, uh, that, that's the case. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's just another another sort of point of 
of this ongoing saga of the uh, the home run increase. The yeah, it never it, ends. It, 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 well, it it, you know, Major League Baseball bought Rawlings, the company that makes the balls. So now you you have Major League Baseball basically investigating Major League Baseball for for this. Uh, yeah. guess, guess what they also did? The, uh, the next year, uh, in the 2021 season, uh, Rawlings becomes the official on-field glove of Major League Baseball. So, so all, all the gloves are, are going to be Rawlings <laughs> gloves. I, I, it's just, uh, you know, one thing after another. So, so we'll hear, you know, why, why fielding percentages go up or down or something like that because of, because of the different gloves. It's, it's, it, if it's not one thing, it's another. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. And, uh, you know, I liked, uh, you know, when when at the All-Star game last year in Cleveland, uh, Manfred had the uh, press conference and talked a lot about the baseballs. And I thought, you know, he said all all the baseballs fall into, you know, the the required specifics, but there's some at one end of the spectrum, you know, as as far as consistency and their makeup and, and there's some at the other end of the spectrum. So, you know, I think, you know, that seemed plausible to me. I, you know, if you make a million baseballs or two million baseballs for the season, I think there's going to be some difference in in you know one ball number one to ball number two million. So, you know, I guess maybe they just have to refine it. And uh, it, it, cer- it certainly seems uh, it certainly seems like the seams uh, would would be uh, you know a place to start. All right. Uh, some of the, uh, the business going on there at the, the winter meetings, uh, early on, on Sunday night, the, uh, the first two members of the 2020 hall of fame class were revealed. Uh, Ted Simmons, the catcher, uh, from the, the late seventies and eighties, um, uh, finally gets in. Uh, I think he was only on the writer's ballot one year and, and fell off rather quickly. I think the, uh, the, the veterans sort of the, these, these modern day committees, uh, sort of did their job there in, in, in electing him. Uh, and also a guy that we had talked about a couple of times uh, earlier, Marvin Miller, uh, finally gets in uh, after, after you know, deserving to be in for, for many years uh, as an, uh, an advocate for the, the Players Union, uh, the director there for, for a long time, and sort of the, the, the godfather of free agency and Basically, what what everything that's going on now at the winter meetings has has roots with Marvin Miller. So, uh, two guys very deserving to 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 be part of the Hall of Fame class. Definitely, uh, Joe uh, Simmons. Uh, you know, was really you know I, I found it interesting. He credited uh, the Sabermetrics people with really reviving his uh, his career chances, his chances of reaching the Hall of Fame. And uh, when when you look at it, you know they really broke it down how he rated you know, among the top, uh, you know, top five catchers or maybe top eight catchers oh, in, in baseball number, in number war two. with a 50 war. All, all of them were in the Hall of Fame but him, you mm-hmm. know. He's and he was, and he's, I don't know if you know him, but he's a good dude, man. He's, mm-hmm. he, he, he was a, a scout for the Indians oh, wow. during the not, 90s. And just a, he's just a fun guy to talk to. I think he's got the second most hits all time uh, among yeah, catchers. Among like, catchers yeah. like 2,400 hits. I mean, a 2,400 right hits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy that he, that he, he, he fell off the ballot as quickly as he did. Yeah. And, and as far as Miller goes, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine there's a committee with players on the committee who didn't all vote for Miller because they owe him so much. Yeah. And, you know, he, he had been up seven times. 
got turned down on, on you know, these various uh, uh, veterans committees. And his family, I guess, you know, he finally threw up his hands, I guess, just before he died. I think he died in 2012. Mm-hmm. He was 95. And he said, even if I get in, I, you know, take me off the ballot. And, but they kept putting him on the ballot. And I don't think his family's going to Cooperstown. You know, they're going to fulfill his wish that no one is going to accept the award for, for that. So he's kind of a, you know, he's going to be a rebel right to the end, I guess. And, uh, but he, you know, he revolutionized baseball. He, he made, he made baseball players millionaires. I mean, and, uh, you know, and it spread to, you know, every professional, every professional sport at the NBA and NHL, the NFL. I mean, he, he, he gave players a voice. Yeah, Marvin Miller should be in the NFL Hall of Fame, the NBA Hall of Fame, and the NHL Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. He probably should have been in there before he even got in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, another family, like you mentioned, that will be there at Cooperstown to accept a, a posthumous award, uh, the J.G. Taylor Spink Award, going to uh, Boston Globe's uh, Nick Carfato. Uh, I know a guy that, that you knew personally and, and you know, just a, a really great guy. Uh, you know, what was your reaction uh, to when you found out that Nick was, was going to get the award? Yeah, we found out yesterday in, in, at the BBWA meeting. Uh, was uh, packed. He got a standing ovation. His son was there. His son worked for ESPN, and he was there. And it's just really an emotional moment. I, You know, Nick and me started covering baseball together uh, in, in 1983. You know, he, was, he you know, worked in the Boston area. He covered the Red Sox. He was a col- and he you know went from a beat guy to a columnist, uh, replaced uh, Pete Gammon, Peter Gammons as uh, you know the uh, the Sunday Notes guy, the famous Sunday Notes guy in in at the Boston Globe, just a great writer. And you know he he died in spring training last year, walking out of the ballpark or walking into the ballpark in Fort Myers. Just and way too young. I think he was only 62, 63, and I miss him. He was a good guy. All right. Well, uh, you know, one of these days you'll uh, you'll likely be joining them there in uh, in Cooperstown if if any of us have uh, anything to do with it. But uh, I'll tell you just to to see the way uh, these winter meetings are playing out. I, I think it's all sort of going to script, don't you think? Uh, you know, it, we 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 sort of had a feeling that that maybe Ted Simmons, but definitely Marvin Miller would be. Uh, you know, getting in the Hall of Fame ballot and, and, and Carfato would, would win the Spink Award and, and Cole would sign with the Yankees. And, uh, you know, Strasburg back to the Nats was, uh, was a bit of a surprise. But right now things are sort of playing out the way we thought they would, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and the thing is, Joe, they're playing out. You know, they're not yeah. – it's not stagnant. It, it's really happening. You know, you can project all you want, but, you know, this is turning into facts, and that's kind of fun. It's, you know, kind of revived the winter meetings, maybe revived the whole off season, and maybe, you know, we won't be, you know, still chasing free agents, you know, in February and March. Maybe this thing, you know, teams can get to spring training with their rosters intact and, uh, you know, go from there and get ready for the regular season. So it's, it's been an interesting offseason, you know, where the kind of the log jam broke and, uh, and clubs aren't as broke as they said they are. Right, they, right. they do have money to spend. Well, if that's the case, then the, uh, the other prediction was that Francisco Lindor will be the opening day shortstop for the Indians in 2020. And, you know, fans who wanted to see that won't have anything to worry about. 
Yeah, let's, uh, you know, I think so. You know, that's, that's the way it's kind of going right now, but you know, you, <laughs> you just, you just never know, you know, you, you can't take anything for granted until you see his name in the lineup. Yeah. Selfishly. I know that we, we all sort of, we want to see Lindor uh, there in the lineup, at least for, if we can have him for a, a few months here at the, the start of the season before the, the trading deadline, I, I, I get paid to go and sit and watch Francisco uh, Francisco Lindor play baseball, which is a joy for me. So uh, I, I, I do enjoy that. Uh, I, I would like to continue to get paid to go see Francisco Lindor play baseball every day for as long as I possibly can. Uh, whether or not the Indians have anything to do with that, you know, remains to be seen. That's a good way to. That's a good way to go out, Joe. All right. Well, uh, we will. Con- Continue to to monitor the uh, the activity there in San Diego uh, as the the ba- uh, baseball winter meetings wrap up. Uh, the Rule Five draft tomorrow. Uh, we'll see uh, if the Indians uh, lose anybody there. Yeah, um, the Indians have some uh, potential guys they could lose. Definitely go off the board. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, quite a few uh, pitchers in the the, the minors who are, are eligible and. Uh, a guy like Kai Tom might might yeah, interest Kai somebody Tom. who's looking for a, a an outfielder too. And Anthony um, Ghost, a left-hander, former major league outfielder, who's trying to make a comeback as a as a pitcher. He's he's been on the list too. I mean, he's some teams have mentioned him as well. Very interesting. All right, Hoinsey, uh, safe travels back to Cleveland, and we will talk to you again next week on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. Thanks, Joe.